NCAA President Mark Emmert announced on Wednesday afternoon that, as feared, the 2020 NCAA tournament for men's and women's basketball will go on without fans in the stands. What does it mean? What are the ramifications? Could things actually get worse? We got you covered. Emergency podcast. Here we go. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, March 11, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me in the big news. We both predicted what happened early Wednesday on the previous podcast. Uh, actually did happen Wednesday afternoon. The 2020 NCAA tournament will be played with no fans in attendance in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The announcement came from NCAA President Mark Emmert again on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Norlander, let's just dive right in. When you heard it, what was your initial reaction? That it came, uh, honestly, that it came a day before I expected it to. I thought that we would be having an emergency podcast about this on Thursday as opposed to Wednesday, but uh, I think one of the big events that led to this is the earlier in the day, the leader of the World Health Organization officially labeling this uh, a pandemic across the globe here. And when you have a lot of experts in the field, including uh, the foremost leader in regard to, uh, to viruses saying you can't be having major sporting events or major gatherings of any kind indoors effective immediately. If we want to curb the, the impact and the spread of coronavirus, at that point, I think it was inevitable. I will note for those who are listening to the pod and might have been just caught up in a lot of news and everything on Wednesday that this, uh, this announcement came even after we had uh, other things come out. You know, the Ivy League suspending all of its play uh, for the spring and discussions and, and rumors about other conferences potentially uh, going without fans. But the NCAA was first. And then we had the Big Ten and the Big 12. Now the ACC, the American Athletic Conference. Obviously, we are doing an emergency podcast. I anticipate, for those who are listening to this on Thursday morning, that we will have the Big East and the Atlantic 10 also be making those decisions. It feels like this is going to be a domino effect, probably a, a, a the right decision for a domino effect, GP. And then I'll just really quickly mention that I want to toss this over to you. Um, I'll be interested to see what these small leagues do because some of those small leagues that are going to be playing for automatic bigs on Saturday and have their conference tournament play going on Thursday and Friday uh, are, are done in on-campus sites. And so you have college campuses across the country that are closing down to try and curb the effects of all of this. And so how is that going to impact games? Are those teams going to have uh, no fans in the stands as well? But the big news is that this is an historic day. The NCAA tournament is going to go on without fans in the stands. And with that, the NBA seems right behind them, and we will have a, a unique march. This has never happened before, and we wait to see how everything unfolds. This might not be the last emergency podcast we have in regard to this specific topic, GP. What were your thoughts when you heard it? And um, yeah, just to tell me what uh, what you expect to come uh, in the next couple of days, I guess. Well, well first things first, um, uh, we're recording this Wednesday night. It is 8... 13 Eastern right now. I, I think after tonight, you will not see another basketball game played in this country with fans for a while. Like, like, the, mm. the, the decisions are trickling out one after another. 
you know, the, the Big Ten announces something, then the Big 12 announces something, then the Big East is going to meet. They will all reach the same conclusion. It is um, very difficult to understand how the NCAA on Wednesday afternoon could make a grand statement that we no longer believe basketball games should be played in arenas with fans for the time being. And then, you know, some small conference to have a basketball game with fans. Like it just doesn't, that would run counter to, to what the NCAA and the medical officials it is listening to. It would run counter to everything that they're doing. And so I don't know when the announcements come. Like the Big 12 announcement came before the AAC announcement came. And then there will be more announcements. I'm certain while we're talking and recording right now. But to answer your your initial question, what's to come, I think everybody will reach the same conclusion. We will have these competitions take place, but they will take place without fans. I, I mean that literally. After tonight, Wednesday night, you will not watch another basketball game at the collegiate level or professional level um, in, a, in an arena. Hmm. Filled with fans. I'm not. I'm not convinced that's the case. I think that there is the potential for a small conference to still allow fans into the building on a Thursday or Friday. I still think that's a punch. The big conferences doesn't seem like we're going there, but we haven't yet heard from the Pac-12. Some of these announcements come come late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. But for the purposes of this discussion, like we're all talking about the same thing here, and um, and then we wait on. I mean, there's a lot lot to get to here. GP heard from a lot of coaches today. who have all sorts of thoughts about what this means and advantages or disadvantages, by the way, in terms of the NCAA tournament. Um, but before I get to that, just uh, it, it is remarkable, and it's the right thing to do that this is where we're at. It's going to be weird. It's going to be really weird to watch these games first weekend. The expectation is that they're going to be played at all the original sites, and then second weekend and in, in the Final Four, Mark Emmert told... Uh, the Athletic, the AP, and Sports Illustrated, uh, that moving those sites is still to be determined. But he said that the decisions on that will be made by the end of the week. So on our next podcast, we might know if John Konkak Arena is indeed going to be where the 2020 Final Four will be played for men's Division One basketball or, uh, or or potentially the, the Luke Schencher Practice Center. I don't even know where they're going to wind up doing that. And remember, D2 and D3 also have their Final Fours in Atlanta, the same city this season. Um, but that's going to be interesting. And we still wait on GP. Like, you're scheduled to be in studio. I'm scheduled to go to Albany and cover that site. I'm still expecting to go, but there has not been word yet about media coming in, who is going to be cleared, who's not going to be cleared. Obviously, the nature of these events, there's a lot of media that covers. So I, I don't know um, what to expect with all of that. And and then to be in the building when there aren't going to be fans, like, are they just going to stick me in the ninth row? Like, I kind of, I'm kind of, I'm anticipating that, to be honest. But uh, but we wait and see on that as well. Still plenty of un- unanswered questions. Um. I guess you, you point out we're still waiting to hear from the Pac-12. I just don't understand how any conference commissioner – now, granted, Larry Scott makes all sorts of unconventional decisions, so maybe the Pac-12 will be the one league that just says, we're doing it our way. Hell, they're playing the majority of their tournament on a on a Pac-12 network that, that most people can't get. So, like, who knows? Mm. But I don't understand how you could be a conference commissioner in this time and allow – for the purposes of this discussion, what is being called large gatherings at your event 
when some of your schools are no longer doing it and the other conferences aren't. It just seems like such a reckless decision because all it takes is one big headline. This person contracted coronavirus. Yeah. At the pack. You just don't need it. Right. Like first and foremost, it's not the right thing to do. But beyond that, if you're really just thinking from a selfish perspective, why do you put yourself why if you're Larry Scott, why would you want to ever possibly be in a position where you have to answer the question, why did you allow fans at your Pac twelve tournament when the Big Ten didn't do it? Big twelve didn't do right. it. Nobody else did. Why did you do it? Because this is what came of it. You, like what what risk versus reward? The risk far outweighs whatever reward exists. And so I just, again, whether it's while we're talking right now, two hours from now, seven hours from now, first thing tomorrow morning, whenever, I do not believe a basketball game will be played with fans for a considerable period of time after tonight. Yeah, from a college perspective, if you're right or if it happens to be at, at the end of Thursday, we'll wait and see. Uh, I, I, if, if there are smaller leagues that opt to do it, I'll be interested to see which ones do and for what reasons. Um, some, some leagues, like the America East, for example, Vermont's going to host Hartford on Saturday morning. It's got time to make this decision, but it's going to have that have that decision by Thursday, in particular for the fans and, frankly, friends and family members uh, with that Hartford team who want to dr- make the drive up from Connecticut or wherever else they may be based. Um it's going to be a weird month in general. Like the widespread impact on sports, um, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski reported on Wednesday night that the uh, the NBA is pretty much set to GP. It's set to decide between putting a hiatus on the season. Which, if that happened, like think about that. Like, what if, if they did that? Like, you bump the draft back, then you have like what the NBA finishing in July. It it'd be really fascinating if they did that. But if you do it, is there any guarantee of when you can return? And when you return, are you returning to a situation where you're not playing in front of friends anyway? So if that's going to be the case, then are you just going to play in front of no fans to begin with? So keep an eye on that with the NBA. We still wait but, on other other major sporting events. Go ahead, GP. I was just going to say, um, Woj has uh, further reported. And, and the initial report was absolutely they're trying to figure out we're going to put the league on hiatus or just play without fans. His most recent report is that the overwhelming majority of franchises want to play without fans as opposed to foot, put the season on hiatus. So it appears that the NBA, I would assume starting Thursday, will be doing exactly what the NCAA has decided to do with its tournament. Um, they're going to continue as scheduled but with no fans in the arena. And, and, and one thing that's important to point out, um, because it's, uh, uh, we're talking about it this way, most other people are talking about it this way, the NCAA tournament is going to be played with no fans. Uh, that's the plan right now. Yes. It could change. And yes. I don't mean it could change, we're going to play it with fans. I mean it could change, we're not going to play it at all. Because if you do a quick Google search, um, I'm not saying we are going to, Follow the path of Italy. In fact, the reason we're trying to do the things we're doing right now is so that we don't follow the path of Italy. But if you do a quick Google search, you can find a story from, I believe, February 24th, just about three weeks ago. And it said Italian officials, the Italian government is strongly considering playing football matches um, with no fans in attendance. That was their initial plan, too. Fast forward to this week. You know what they're doing? They're not playing football at all. 
So just because the big headline right now is NCAA tournament to take place with no fans, don't let that lead you to believe NCAA tournament is happening, guaranteed. We don't know where this thing is going. It is changing by the hour. My point being, there's still at least a chance that we won't even be playing basketball games a week from today. Yeah, it, that is certainly a chance. And I've spoken with a couple of people on Wednesday just to, connected with the NCAA. And if you've thought it, they've thought it. Sure. So many different scenarios are being considered at this point. Um, one thing I had neglected to mention at the start of the podcast, what preceded the NCAA's statement, because I actually, I, GP, I thought the NBA would beat them to it, uh, but the NCAA relying on its COVID-19 expert panel, when you had the governor of Ohio then instituting the ban, meaning it uh, doesn't matter what you want to do, NCAA, first four and the regionals in Cleveland, they aren't getting played in our state. It's just not happening. If you want those tournaments played with fans in the building, go find another state. Washington State got a bit more aggressive. I still don't think so. Spokane is affected and then I believe the mayor of Houston put the same kind of ban in effect for all events going forward for the foreseeable future so the and that's where another regional site is so the NCAA was put into a into a tight spot there as for not playing the NCAA tournament altogether, that is obviously an option that has to still be under consideration. It could be a possibility. If you have the coronavirus that uh, reaches uh, players or coaches or staff members, then you have a, a new issue altogether. The question becomes if you can screen, how you can screen, how often you can screen. I spoke with a couple of coaches who wondered aloud, All right, if we're going to play this tournament, are we going to have to uh, go through a situation where our players are looked at on a daily basis? Is that even doable? Do, are there are there even the kits out there? Because uh, one of the big issues right now, widespread, if you watch the news, is that it's not just that we don't know how many people really are, are carrying the coronavirus. It's that the, we lack even the capability of testing everyone that could have it or may or may not have it at this point. And so how will that play a factor as well? Now, by removing crowds and removing more people from the games, you lessen the impact there. Um, but think about where we were, GP. This was 20 hours ago when we podcasted, okay? Think about how fast this story has jumped in 20 hours. We are still eight days away from the start of the tournament in earnest with the first round uh, on, th on next Thursday. So, man, I really, really hope we don't get there. It would be just... I mean, talk about one of your all-time sports stories. It would be terrible. I hope that we don't get there, but we have to allow for the possibility for that to happen and for it not to happen what the NCAA and its member institutions are going to have to do is they're going to have to be very proactive very careful in how they want to do what they're going to do in the coming days okay and by that I mean we could have a selection process that's unlike any before in order to eliminate travel uh, or reduce it I should say and reduce the risk of potential exposure by not having teams uh, go through an airport or more than one airport if necessary if you can bus to a site Keep yourself contained. Do that. It would not surprise me. Haven't heard anything about this yet. But if it doesn't, in fact, become a thing, I think the NCAA needs to get ahead of it and let us know at least in advance of the bracket coming out. You might have them. This is just amusing here. But you might have the the selection committee opt to bracket uh, around uh, coronavirus concerns. And just as one example, instead of like a team like Hofstra, okay, instead of in a, in a traditional year, like they're a 13 seed and you know what, you just get shipped to Omaha, that's the deal. Well, you know what, if Hofstra can bust to Albany, why would we not do that for the safety of our student athletes? Because that's the other aspect you got to take into account here is the liability concerns. Of course, they want to play the games. I mean, I've heard from a few coaches who are like, kids want to be in the, like, 
don't take this away from us. Please, 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 please. And there's a little bit of concern of that already. But it wouldn't stun me if we do wind up seeing a bracket that is built in part with the mindset of reducing travel and giving geographic preference to wherever the schools are in relation to the closest sites and making that as fair and balanced as possible. Um, what does that solve, though, if every team's going to charter to wherever site they're playing? Just, redu- I, just reduce the risk of not going to an airport, not having to take steps A, B, C, and D instead of just saying hop on the bus right out from your campus, go right to the hotel. Just reducing like little, b- reducing little bits of risk here and there, and reducing times on travel. It's just, I think it might be something that could be, uh, that could be on the table. Obviously, coaches um, would rather play under these circumstances than not play at all. Uh, I've heard from multiple coaches today. uh, None of them like this. Um, They really do feel like um, it is robbing. And and nobody's fault, right? Robbing is probably the incorrect word. Like This is is the world we live in right now. You do what you have to do. But they do feel like their players are going to miss out on a traditional NCAA tournament experience, which they obviously will. You know, you instead of looking in, you know, you, you get to the Final Four, you run out of that tunnel, it is an amazing scene. People everywhere. Yeah. Now you'll run out of that tunnel and you'll see the emptiest building you've ever played in. I mean, it is, it is striking what is about to happen. So they would all rather play than not. I did have one coach ask me, and logistically, I'm sure that it's just, impractical right like you said earlier if i thought of it or somebody else has thought of it they in ncaa they thought of it as well but i did have one coach ask me why couldn't we rather than play the tournament under these circumstances if we think things are going to be back to normal or close enough to normal in a month to allow you know to allow us to, to play basketball with fans in attendance Instead of starting the tournament on, say, March 17th, which is when the first four is, is scheduled to be played, you know, could we start the tournament on April 21st and then do it with fans? And, and yeah, it would be later in the calendar, but it would, it would look and feel the same way. Mm. And I, I guess the answer to that is that you got to secure buildings, yep. dates. Yes. I mean, there's just, it, um, there's, there's, you know, Student athletes getting ready to uh, start the professional process. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that that probably makes it a logistical nightmare. But that was one thing he wondered, and that is essentially the other option the NBA was considering. Um, you know, let's just let's just push pause on this, let our country get back to as close to normal as we can, and then we'll pick up right where we're at. Um, the NCAA doesn't seem to be. There's no reporting that says they seriously considered that as an option. And I would assume it's just it's just a hard thing to do. I think it's very hard because then you'd also have players coming up against graduation. I think, yes, the contracts with the buildings and availability therein, if you're going to uh, delay it and ha- – again – if you delay it three, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, what's to say that the state of uh, our country in, in that point is any better than it is now? So uh, if you could promise us – that we could play the NCAA tournament three weeks down the road with fans. I think everyone would sign up for that. But then you got to worry about you know television contracts and other events that are scheduled to be played. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into this. Um, I had I had one coach tell me uh, this is going to come down to like which like he was speaking broadly. But he's like we're we're about to find out 
which teams have the best bench energy are the most focused and can kind of and can kind of adapt to this because it's one thing to go through practices in your home practice gym where you're in that environment you're actually you're not playing a game it's very different from even from like a, a your early season scrimmage behind closed doors it's even different from that because of the environs that you're going to be in, in in a you know a relatively big arena and going through that where you're going to be able to hear the coach call you'll be, if you're if you're you know sitting during a timeout like are they going to pipe in here's what I want like will they pipe in artificial soft white noise just to kind of help I have I I don't know I would think that they should probably try and do that sort of thing um to see how this is going to look on TV is fascinating to me and we'll get an early look with the conference tournaments I do think this is a silver lining if indeed we wind up having this tournament regardless the fact that we have conferences doing this which is the right thing and removing fans from the buildings and I want to be I do want to make the statement like I uh, Many, many listeners, I'm sure, uh, were planning on attending these conference tournaments and are super let down. Get, get all that. But again, risk versus reward. And this decision is, in many aspects, many of them financial, excruciating for these conferences to make. But you got to do the right thing here. But for the players, it actually might be the benefit that they are getting one, two, maybe even as many as three games in this kind of setting, no fans in the building, so that the first time you do it, you're not thrown into the deep end of the pool in your four versus 13, eight versus nine game of the NCAA tournament because it might just really feel weird in that kind of environment. So you at least get a little bit of an introductory thing here this week, and maybe that's a benefit. And as I mentioned on the previous podcast, I'm eager to see what impact, if any, or wildly this has to the dynamics of the competition, Parish removing seventeen thousand plus people from a from an arena and having two teams thrown on the floor does that does that decrease the likelihood of an upset? Does it increase the likelihood of an upset? Uh, I'll be interested to see if we have anything in a relatively small sample size that shows us this because um, one we both hope this is a one time deal and it, and if indeed it is it just we could have the ultimate random. Uh, content generator that, that is the tournament in just in, in a bizarre environment. My name is Connor Tapp and I'm here with Trey Scott, my co-host on the College Football Daily, a podcast from 24-7 Sports dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. Every Monday through Friday from here to eternity, we are adding depth and context to the biggest headlines in college football. But we're also diving deep into topics like the Iowa Hawkeyes' secret sauce for developing NFL linemen and what the era of big money conference TV networks means for schools like Boise State. So if you share our point of view that college football has no offseason, subscribe to the College Football Daily now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. golf is on hiatus but thankfully for you the first cut podcast crew is not join mark immelman kyle porter greg ducharme and myself rick gaiman as we keep you informed and entertained through this unprecedented time no tournament no problem we're still coming at you three times a week during these trying times tune in as we bring you weekly news rewatches, interviews and trivia what are you waiting for? Come join our group and let's talk golf. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are found. So I was asked this the other day, like if we get to a place, because this was a conversation 
it, it feels like feels like a week ago. It was actually just yesterday. I, it, like, it, I mean, we're talking on a podcast for the second time in the same day. Um, I was asked yesterday um, if we end up playing the NCAA tournament with no fans, does that help the underdogs or hurt the underdogs? And I think you take it on a case by case basis. For instance, um, Kentucky fills up whatever building it's in, right? Yeah. So suddenly, can, the home court advantage, if you will, that usually exists for Kentucky in a neutral side environment no longer exist. So I think a lack of fans hurts Kentucky, even if Kentucky is a is a high seed. Right, even if it's a better team, right. Yeah, even if it's the better team. But then I do think we've all witnessed these moments where, you know, it's a it's a pod in Tampa and there's, you know, many different fan bases there and there's also, you know, a number 1 seed Kansas. And suddenly Northern Iowa is up in the second half. And even if there's 8,000 Kansas fans there and 10,000 other fans there, so the majority of fans are Kansas fans, um, at, at least the highest percentage of fans is, is, is Kansas fans, there's still more, quote, other fans, and those other fans start rooting for Northern Iowa because shouts to Ali Farouk-Manesh. Mm-hmm. So you lose that. So I think in certain situations, um, the, the favorite is, is hurt by there being no fans, and in other situations... The underdog is is hurt by their having no fans. I think it it, it can cut both ways on a case by case basis. Yeah, you're right. And but, uh, I've seen a little bit of a uh, discussion of, you know, if you're going to move regional sites from the arenas they're supposed to be played in, you know, I saw Sean Farnham say on uh, on Sports Center, you know, like put it in the Palestra. Well, there are actual still like you need to have. Uh, significant facilities to hand to be able to accommodate teams in terms of locker room space showers and all that stuff so that's not going to happen not to mention that a lot of the venues that i think fans would like to see because this is sort of a one-time only opportunity um they uh they might be on campus to begin with so that is also that is also an issue to begin with there um but even as we record this podcast uh you know, we have a. I don't know if you follow Twitter or not, GP. I normally have tweet that close, but I happen to have it open here just in case we have stuff that breaks. But an NBA game between the Jazz and the Thunder got suspended to start because Rudy Gobert has apparently an illness. And this is the kind of thing, who knows what this might be, but this actually, in the midst of us doing this emergency pod, is the exact example of what the NCAA, I guarantee you, Mark Emmert and his cohorts are considering here. You can't have a situation where you have particularly a first weekend, you've got eight teams at a site and you discover that one of the players might have contracted the virus and then just the nature of it, look how quickly it is capable of spreading again. As I mentioned on the previous pod, New Rochelle is uh, is the, the most densely contaminated area in the country right now. It's effectively um, not shut down, but you can enter, you can go and come as you please, but it's, uh, it's definitely a hotspot. You don't want something like this with a player in particular spreading it to someone else. It's, I, I worry that this story actually has the ability to accelerate even faster than those who are uh, pessimistic about its capability of, of taking over sports um, and what it might do. And just in real time here, as I see the Jazz and Thunder being sent back to the locker room, is this game even going to get played? I think about, well, what happens if that ha- what if that happens in the NCAA tournament? What happens, I think you mentioned this, GP, you know, what happens if someone for Gonzaga, and they they have it, and then they advance to the Sweet 16? Can they even play? You know? 
if one player has it, can, is, he, is he removed from the roster and everyone else is good, you're gonna have to screen him. So there, now, you know. Let me let me. Okay, so first off, with the Oklahoma City Utah Jazz thing, there's now a report. Um, and by the time people are listening to this, you'll know exactly what happened. So I, we probably shouldn't talk about this too much. But Oklahoma City police are closing Chesapeake Energy Arena right now. Jeez. Yeah. So whatever that means, um, Google it while you're listening. You can figure it out. And then also uh, Google Fly and Dunchman when you get a get a chance. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um, so d- to your point. Um. It's it's news. I mean, you can Google it and find it. The, the CBS building was shut down today, right? The broadcast center. Yeah, multiple people um, tested positive for uh, the coronavirus, and you know, like we talked about it on the last podcast. I've had a cough for about a week now. It is the same cough that I get every year around this time because I am traveling nonstop. I'm not sleeping. Um. You know, it's just I, I, I go through this every year. But given what we're going through as a country, like it's still in the back of my mind. And, and I, it, even though I have no other symptoms, I have no fever, I have no fatigue. I, ha- I mean, I'm sleepy because I don't sleep, but I don't have no fatigue. I have no fever. I have no runny nose. I just have a cough and it's a normal cough that I get during basketball season at some point every time. But still, you know, at, in the spirit of I, I, I don't know how in good conscience I could be on radio and on podcast talking about the NCAA needs to take this seriously. People and then and then me myself not take it seriously, right? Yeah. So I called my primary care physician today. I texted him, he called me right back. And I just said, Hey, listen, what do I need to do? Um, because I, I don't want to be reckless here. And um he said so he called an expert on the subject and then called me back. And essentially uh, what what he told me is that if I told him I knew I had contact with people who have uh, confirmed coronavirus, they will immediately tell me to self-quarantine. Like immediately. They even – like test me, not test me. If you were in contact with that person, you self-quarantine immediately. Define contact. Like uh, Phys- actual physical touching or in the same room, maybe more than eight feet away, though, in the same room, maybe more, more than eight feet away for a brief period of time. Not necessarily, but okay. like working in close quarters with this person for an hour right. for, for a, a shift. Like, for instance, um, I, I worked last week with let's just say Brent Stover. I knew you were going to say Brent Stover. Shouts to Brent. Hey, I know what GP is about to do to you. Go ahead. No, I love Stowe. I love Wally Zerbiak. He's my best buddy. Um, I love Amy Salmonson. She's my, she's my producer. So let's just say that for the purposes of this totally hypothetical, this is not what happened. Brent Stover does not have coronavirus. But if we found out today that Brent Stover had coronavirus, I, I would have to self-quarantine because I've been in contact with Stove. We sit there. We talk. We laugh. Um, I would have to self-quarantine um, because I have had no known direct contact with somebody. Um, I'm considered low risk. And because I don't have any other symptoms, um, my doctor told me that I, you know, I probably just have the same cough that I always have. The point he made, and I thought this is uh, something that, that's important for people to remember, is just because coronavirus is a thing now doesn't mean that common cold is not also still a thing. Like just if you are coughing and mm-hmm. you don't feel well, you still just might have a common cold as opposed to coronavirus. And so given that I have no other symptoms – and I have no known contact. 
um, they, they've, you know, they, they think it's just, I, I'm not carrying coronavirus. My point is I had this conversation with him to your story. My, my, I, my, what if? Yeah. Based on the way we are handling this as normal human beings in this country right now, if we start this tournament next week, and I think the example I learned, uh, used on the previous podcast was Duke playing Little Rock. Duke plays Little Rock, 40-minute game, no fans. Duke beats Little Rock. Then Duke plays again two days later, wins again. Now Duke advances to the Sweet 16. And on Tuesday, before the Sweet 16, we find out that Little Rock's leading score played 33 minutes in that game, and he has tested positive for coronavirus. Based on the way we as Americans are handling the situation now, Duke players who were in contact with this player, which would could mean anybody, like let's tra- uh, 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 Trey Jones and, uh, and, and Vernon Carey, they would be asked to self-quarantine immediately because they were in direct contact with yeah. this confirmed case. I mean, that really is, uh, at this point, just a hypothetical, but not an outrageous thing to imagine. All it will take is one player in this NCAA tournament being confirmed as a yeah. coronavirus carrier, right? and anybody that that person was in contact with has to self-quarantine. So let's take it a step further. Let's let's say it's not a Little Rock player that tests positive. It's a Duke player. Well, then all of the Duke teammates. Duke's about to play in the Sweet 16, but you've been in close contact with a known confirmed case. You have to self-quarantine. I, I, I don't predict we're going to experience this. God, I hope we don't. Yeah. But is it possible? It is certainly possible. Of course it's possible. Um, it's, it's definitely possible. And, you know, I looked at projected reports by established news outlets yeah. citing experts – and there is the anticipation that a significant portion of the population uh, in the coming months in this country will contract coronavirus, like north of 25%. Like those are some of the estimates that are potentially on the table if big, you know, things are not done to, again, reduce the impact. And one of the biggest things you can do is just. Don't allow people to uh, to be together in groups larger than 50, 100, 200, 250, um, because this it is moving so fast. Even to this point, just as an example, like I went and got my hair cut late this afternoon because, frankly, one, I needed it, but two, um, I didn't know like what what the general climate would be six days from now if you want to get a haircut. And when I went, uh, the, the man who cut my hair, he wore late, he wore latex gloves. Like he was like, I was like, I was like, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, can you, can you still, what you got to do what you got to do? And he's like, yeah, no, I'm good. And that's not, that's not a perfect system, but, um, we are getting to that point where, you know, grocery stores are going, you're going, you want to get what you got to get. And there's, there's nothing there. Like we have already set into a, into motion, I think, where there is some caution, but even some panic. And the biggest things to remember, because I did, frankly, and I won't, I won't say who they were, but I did talk to two coaches on Wednesday who unfortunately echoed this, like, it's not worse than the flu. And it's just not true. Like it's just at this point, it's a dumb thing to say. Yes. Yes. When when the head of the World Health Organization stands up and explains that this is serious, um, this is a pandemic, 
we are worried about where this is heading. We need to take this seriously. When the freaking NCAA, which is motivated by money, is willing to leave all of this money on the table because they recognize they have no choice but to do it, that should be all you need to know that this isn't, quote, just the flu or like the flu. Like, if you're still saying that, and I don't know which coaches told you that, I hope they're not friends of mine. But if, or at least if they're friends of mine, I hope they're not listening right now. But if you're still saying that or thinking that, you are being willfully ignorant to what's happening right now. It's a dumb thing to say. It's not true. Particularly Dr. Anthony Fauci. If you've watched the news, you've seen him because he's considered one of the foremost leaders and experts on this. He said, um, this was uh, earlier on Wednesday, he said, quote, I can say we will see more cases and things will get worse than they are right now. And he is the one who said that the way that this is going, uh, it looks to be 10 times more lethal than the flu in terms of the mortality rate. Um, and it is, you know, the, the elderly and those with underlying health conditions and risks uh, certainly to, uh, appear to be most vulnerable. Um, but his quote was, bottom line, it's going to get worse. And if that is the case, that's why we need, you know, we just need to be open to the potential that this actually, the tournament itself does get canceled. And that might even be a situation where you play the first weekend and then that's it. And then there is no champion crown for 2019, 2020. And uh, I don't know if we'll get there. I really hope we don't, but it is not, it's, it's a non-zero chance, I think, at this point uh, that we wind up getting there. So to, in closing on my NGP, um, historic day, history of the NCAA, history of American sports, Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. I think we will have significant movement again within the next 24 hours. Definitive movement, according to Mark Emmert, by the end of the week in terms of contingency plans on where the Final Four will be scheduled to be played and any movement between the regional sites within those cities or elsewhere. And then we wait to see if we have any sort of word from the NCAA in terms of how it is handling, how it will seed and bracket teams taking into consideration travel accommodations and if those do or do not have any sort of impacts. The last thing is... Um, it will uh, fall on the schools and the teams to monitor the health situations with all their players, coaches, all personnel around the teams because one case changes everything, and we wait to see if that winds up being the case. And like you pointed out earlier, and we pointed out on the previous podcast recorded just a little after midnight, um, this is changing by the hour. Like there are things that are happening, uh, you know, I don't even know how long we've been talking uh, now, but like there have been news developments within um, within this podcast happening in real time. And so like just for my purposes, you know, Friday is a day where I have to fly to New York and my flight leaves at a time where I would need to record my radio show a little early. Like instead of do it live from four to six, I need to do it, probably record it from two to four, then get to the airport and like made a decision with my producer today, like we just need to get a guest host for that day because, you know, there's a big new development. It feels like every hour right now, and I'd feel silly recording from two to four, and then at four fifteen, uh, something big is announced, something big happens, and we're on tape, and and I, I can't address it in real time because I'm not there. And so, like, yeah, like. It, it, one one confirmed case on a basketball team will change everything, and either way, uh, everything seems to be changing hour by hour by hour. So if we need to come back and talk about this again tomorrow morning, we'll be back to talk about it again tomorrow morning. Short of that, we will at the very least um, have a another episode on, on Friday just like we normally do at a time to be 
determined. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. It's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments, and we will, like I said, talk to you again at the very least on Friday. Till then, take care. Golf is on hiatus, but thankfully for you, the First Cut podcast crew is not. Join Mark Immelman, Kyle Porter, Greg Ducharme, and myself, Rick Gaiman, as we keep you informed and entertained through this unprecedented time. No tournament, no problem. We're still coming at you three times a week during these trying times. Tune in as we bring you weekly news, rewatches, interviews, and trivia. What are you waiting for? Come join our group and let's talk golf. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are found.